What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. Finally, I have returned. I am so sorry for those of you who are daily watchers, listeners, or whatever. You know, I typically try to do a Monday through Thursday show. Heading into the new year, that's going to be tweaked just a little bit. I'll talk more about that either at the end of this show or just before the year is up. But man, I had some serious like dental issues last week. I tried to put posts up on the YouTube uh, feed, but just to kind of make a long story short, I had to get four fillings last Wednesday. I thought I was good, but I didn't do a show because half my face was numb. I had to go back Thursday morning because I was still in severe pain. They readjusted the fillings and then put me on antibiotic. I was in so much pain. I came up to record and I couldn't even focus on preparing a show script because I was in so much pain pretty much all day Thursday. So they put me on, uh, what was it? Painkillers, like codeine painkillers, Tylenol 3 and antibiotic. They said I had an infection. Well, neither of those did anything. So Friday I start taking um, a combo of Tylenol and ibuprofen, which helped the pain a little bit. But it got so bad that by Saturday morning, I was like, okay, I got to go to an emergency place to get a root canal is essentially what I needed. So I go Saturday morning, get a root canal done. They get halfway into the operation or the procedure and tell me, oh, sir, we're not going to be able to finish this. You need to see a specialist, blah, 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 blah. So I'm sitting there again with a numb face. And anyway, so I go yesterday, got the root canal. I, my face again was numb for most of the day. Uh, I'm good now. All is well. I'm little to no pain. So sorry for uh, missing, you know, a couple shows here. I think I missed three total. I missed Wednesday, Thursday, and Monday. But we're back in action. I'm alive and well. I will always try to keep you updated with a post on the YouTube feed. And if you follow me on Twitter at I'm Trey Smith, I do so there as well. So just for future reference, because I know sometimes with these things it can, you you know, someone all of a sudden disappears for some time and you're like, wait a minute, what happened here? But those of you that were concerned, I appreciate you. And there's a quick update. So let's get into this, man, because I've missed a lot. Like a lot has happened and I don't even know if I'll get to all of it on this particular show. But I'm going to tell you right now, what I'm going to hit today, we're going to do a basketball, quick basketball talk, college hoops talk. Going to go over some couple bowl games this week. Uh, I want to talk about early signing day, and uh, uh, I want to look at this transfer rule. So let's talk basketball for a second. We've got Memphis and FAU both in the top 25, uh, representing the American Athletic Conference. I'm not so sure if this is a more than two bid league at this point. I certainly hope it is. I hope there's a third or dare I say fourth team that can come into the fold in March. It's looking like FAU and Memphis need to take care of business heading into conference play and throughout conference play. And then it might require like a dark horse team to, or a Cinderella team to win the conference tournament in order to get another team in. Because I think if Memphis and FAU stay on course, do what they should do in conference play, they're going to be in the tournament regardless. So I don't know. 
curious to know your thoughts. I know I'll keep bringing that up, but I mean, is, is this a, is this, you know, if the over under was two and a half right now, if the over under for the American athletic conference, as far as bids in the NCAA tournament was two and a half, are you going over or under? But Memphis has a big matchup tonight with Virginia uh, on ESPN two. Listen, I I imagine is that tonight or tomorrow? Sorry. I, I just looked at it earlier, but now my days are thrown off. It's tomorrow. No, it's see. My phone is saying it's Wednesday. It's it. It's, it's on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. It's tonight. Sorry. Yeah. So they got, uh, they're hosting Virginia tonight. That's a ranked matchup, big matchup. I imagine it's going to be a rowdy environment. My quick, you know, 30 second preview is it's going to be a, a clash of contrasting styles of play. Okay. We know Penny Hardaway at Memphis. If you're a Memphis hoops fan, I mean, he recruits top end talent And when it's time to play, he turns them loose. He likes to apply pressure. Sometimes they'll get into the press. uh, Likes to attack the basket with his guards. Open up the offense. He's got guys that can play iso ball. He's got guys that can bang down low. Um, And then if if you're a fan of college basketball, you probably know Virginia runs almost an exact opposite style of play. Okay, they're not looking to apply pressure on you on the defensive end. They're looking to suffocate you on the defensive end. They run a more pack line style defense and they're all about protecting the paint. So I'm curious, two things with Memphis. One, how well do they shoot from the perimeter? Because that could be a deciding factor in tonight's game. And two, Virginia's style of defense, you know, typically in basketball, you don't want the ball to go middle. You want to keep the ball out of the middle of the court, right? Well, the way Virginia plays with their pack line style, I mean, it is a true old school pack line defense. They're not going to let you go baseline. So they'll give you middle because they're going to funnel you into their walls, which is called, and that style of defense is called build a wall. So if you watch that game tonight, pay attention to how Memphis attacks Virginia. Do they try to attack baseline and go where Virginia I mean, the rules of Virginia's defense, the, the style of defense they play is you don't let teams go baseline. So does Memphis look to attack where they're trying to keep them out of? Uh, how well And how well does Memphis shoot the ball? And then obviously on the offensive end, I don't really know what Virginia's running now. I, I know they used to run like a variation of the swing. It was kind of a mover, blockers, milk the shot clock, make a team guard you, make a team chase you, and then get a good shot. Uh, as the as the shot clock winds down. So, you know, two contrasting tempos. So if I had to put a prediction out there, I would say whichever team controls and dictates the tempo of the game will be the team that wins the game. And let me just throw a disclaimer out there. Everything I just said about Virginia and their style of play is just historically and traditionally what they've done under Tony Bennett. I have not just sat and watched them play game by game this particular season. So that's my disclaimer, but it's Virginia. They have the same coach. Same, I mean, I don't, I don't expect anything different out of that. And then, of course, Saturday, uh, FAU has a big matchup with Arizona. All right, bowl games. Let's talk some bowl games. Also tonight, got UTSA Marshall in the Frisco Bowl. And then Thursday, USF has Syracuse. 
Um, I mean, I've kind of lost track of who's playing, who's not playing. So I like UTSA against Marshall tonight. I think it'd be a good win for them in the program, and especially if all their senior-laden teams, all their seniors are playing. Uh, it'd be nice to see them go out with a dub. Uh, and then Thursday, man, that's a big game for USF. USF can go 7-6 and six and finish their season with a Power 5 bowl victory? That's huge for a program that's coming off like back-to-back-to-back one-win seasons. That's awesome. And the momentum they already have right now with recruiting, which I'll get to in a second. But this, this I think, if I'm a USF fan, like I'm looking forward to this game. I know it's a late December, middle of the week bowl game. I don't care. I'm like, look, give me seven and six. Give me that win over Syracuse. Now, is Syracuse bringing in the new coach? I don't know who, how many opt-outs they do or don't have. It's my understanding. USF, they should be in 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 pretty good tact as far as players that are suiting up for the game. If I'm wrong on that, feel free to correct me in the comments. But, I mean, that's a big game. I'm looking forward to that. And then as it pertains to the group of five or the underdog conferences, as we like to call them, I got to say the game of the week, though, the bowl game of the week is Air Force JMU on Saturday. So if you're just hanging out on Saturday, I don't know, some of you may be traveling and things like that. Um, but if you're just hanging out, watches of football, that's a, that's a good one I would, I would flip it over to is Air Force JMU. I think they play it in the 2.30 central time slot. All right. Early signing day. Um, I don't have a lot to say on this. That's coming up tomorrow. I don't know how much I will or won't say even tomorrow. It Signing day in general has just lost a lot of its luster from my vantage point now that we're in this era of transfer portal and NIL. I used to love, first off, I love to watch how the final rankings would play out. I love to watch how, you know, where would the top players commit to go to. But man, as someone who's always kind of been a fan of an underdog team in their respective conference, like I always like to look at particular player profiles and how are they ranked versus, um, you know, what does their potential show? You know, Arkansas, they found some gems a couple years in the, definitely in the Petrino era, but in the Bielema era even, even though the Bielema era, they didn't quite reach that same level of success. But it was always fun. Matt Rule, he had a class, I think it was his first recruiting class at Baylor. He had like four or five sub three-star players that ended up developing into NFL draft picks. And so that's always something I, I, I thought was fun and I enjoyed tracking and following. But like nowadays, like here's the problem, especially if you're an underdog conference team, you can sign the best roster or best uh, class in your conference. You can sign the best class in all of group of five. And like, are those guys even going to be there a year from now? Same with the big dogs. I mean, all these top players committing where they're going. Okay, like I know the big thing that's floating around social media right now is that top quarterback is uh, uh, committed to Nebraska. Great. Does he stay there? I mean, now you got to worry about both sides of the fence. Not necessarily if you're in Nebraska, but I mean, if you're a G5 school, 
you bring in a big time player and they have a great freshman season, well, they're probably gone the next year. Or the balance to that, they come in and they don't play at all. They may be gone the next season. So it's just kind of taking the shine out of following recruiting for me because does it even matter? Um, In fact, I had a coach, okay? He is a defensive coordinator at a premier high school football program in the state of Texas. This is a program that has put multiple uh, kids have, have played at this high school and, and gone on to play in the NFL. Multiple kids right now, numerous kids right now playing at Division I colleges um, across the country that played at this school, uh, Power 5 and G5. And he said that they've all winter, as the scouts and coaches, college coaches have come in, all of them are saying the same thing, which is we're not even worried about high school kids right now. Tell us about this person, this person, this person who are former players at this school that are now in the portal. So it's completely shifting the approach to recruiting. And from my vantage point, it's kind of making it like not as fun to follow. Um, But since this is a podcast and we run the, we, we, we love to talk American conference along with some other, other things other uh, underdog conferences. Interesting tidbit I saw, and this kind of goes back to who has the best G5 conference. Well, right now, as the rankings are as of December 19th at 1.45 p.m. Central Time, USF has the number one class in the AAC. ECU is right behind them. Charlotte is at number three, and Tulsa is at number four. Those four Schools with their current recruiting class, and I'm looking at the overall ranking. You got to even look at that now, right? They've got the recruit, the transfer, and overall. So I do overall, which combines them both. All four, Tulsa, Charlotte, ECU, and USF with their current class in any other G5 conference would be the number one class in the conference. Mountain West, Sunbelt, Conference USA, and MAG. Look, take that information for what it is. That's just facts. Interpret that however you want to. You can say, oh, that doesn't mean anything. Fair enough. Um, But I think when you look at the strength of individual conferences and the future of individual conferences, you know, I think you still have to factor recruiting in. But the problem is the players that are making these classes so good from a G5 perspective is there, there, there's no guarantee that those players will still be around one, two, three years from now. Three's, three feels like a lifetime at this point if you can get a player that's good to stick around for three years. I mean, that's, like, that's becoming an anomaly, which leads me to the last thing I want to talk about, which is that, that transfer rule. Um, man, and all that was happening in the midst of me dealing with my tooth issue So it was like, I was trying to catch it. I was trying to follow it and stay focused on it. But man, I was just in so much pain that here's what I recall though, is that it's a temporary restraining order allowing allowing essentially a, a second time transfer to not have to sit. 
And, you know, this obviously opens up a whole other conversation with college football, with the whole transfer rule, right? Because there's, there's one side that's like, well, yeah, kids should have that same right because coaches do it all the time. Like, that's one side of the argument. Coaches make these commitments to kids, and then they bolt on them, right? And then on the flip side, which I, I tend to lean towards is, look, I'm all about empowering the student athlete. But when there's no guidelines or rules or boundaries is the word I think I'm looking for in place, you know, that leaves student athletes in a very vulnerable position to be taken advantage of. And that's what I have a problem with. I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and say, oh, they just need to suck it up and stay where they committed. Fulfill their four-year commitment. I'm not saying that because I agree. Coaches break that commitment all the time for a better opportunity. But what I'm saying is, is that when there's no nothing, like there's nothing to make me think about whether or not I should transfer that's when I think a kid can be taken advantage of. And that's what I'm adamantly against are student athletes being taken advantage of through the portal and NIL period. Um, so I don't know what any, any of your thoughts are on the, on this transfer rule. First off, do you think it sticks? And second off, if it does, if it does, how do you build a program? It's almost like we may as well turn college football into you know, a baseball styled farm system, right? And all your G5 conferences are going to go poach from the Missouri Valley, the SOCON, the Big Sky from the FCS, while all the Power Five conferences or Power Four conferences are poaching from, you know, the American Conference, the Mountain West. And, you know, a lot of times, even at the, the power level, it's like you've got the Blue Bloods poaching from other power conferences teams and then you've got those mid-tier power conference teams poaching from group the 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 underdog conference teams and then it's like do the underdog conference teams yeah they go get the 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 transfers from some of those power five programs that weren't doing anything which obviously they'll continue to do but do you start to look behind you and go okay let's look at let's dip into these fcs programs that are having so much success and see if we can convince some of those kids in I don't know. Um, but as I said, I, I look, I'm all about empowering the student athlete. What I have a problem with is when there's no infrastructure in place to protect the student athlete. Um, should a kid have to sit a year to transfer if they're not a grad transfer? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Could we not do this where uh, if a coach leaves, you know, kids get an automatic transfer? without having to sit, whether it's a first, one time or second time or grad, whatever, you know, um, the thing I like about a kid having to sit is it at least makes them think and go, is this really what's best for me? I mean, is this really what's best? Um, but then I also understand the other side of it. I mean, like you look at the, you know, trio from North Texas who probably have an opportunity to go make some big time money at the NIL level some potential life-changing money that they wouldn't get at North Texas, just straight up. Um, and if they had to sit a year, that wouldn't even be a possibility for them. So it's like, I, I get it. I think the way you solve all the, well, I don't know. I actually don't know the way you solve all of it. I was going to start to open up the whole TV revenue sharing with student athletes. Cause that could eliminate NIL. 
Um, and then there would be, you know, some to go around for everybody. Obviously, the top teams would get the most, but I don't know. That's it for me today. I'm happy to be back. Sorry um, I was out for so long, but uh, I'm back, feeling good. Everything is well with the old tooth issue, and uh, I'll see y'all uh, tomorrow. College Underdogs, Trey Smith signing off. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.